Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to be back. Yep, it is good to be back. And I'm really excited about today's show because you know one of the biggest issues that I'm finding many of my clients with Small Business Matters and just many small businesses are struggling with is talent, is, is retaining talent and finding talent. And we've got an expert on that topic uh, with us today. And I'm really looking forward to having Gus Colley answer some of our questions uh, on behalf of small business owners about how they can find the, the very best talent uh, coming out of this, this COVID environment. So with that, I want to welcome Gus. Welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Hey, thank you so much. It's great to be here. So a little bit about Gus. Gus grew up in upstate New York and went to college at Lemoyne College, which is in Syracuse, New York. He got his degree in accounting and worked for one of the big four accounting firms, was a CPA. And then, Taylor, he came to his senses. He decided that it was entrepreneurship that he really wanted. So he became a small business, a, a founder, an entrepreneur, a leader. He started one recruiting firm, grew it and sold it, and then started another one and another one and another one. Right now, he is the CEO of North Point Search Group. And underneath that umbrella, there's also several other uh, recruiting firms, the Law Staff Group, the Staff Financial Group. I met Gus Taylor a number of years ago. You may recall I was involved. Gus is a Vistage member. And he actually won an award, the Impact Award, last year, which is a very prestigious award within Vistage. Uh, but he participated in a program that is co-sponsored between Vistage and the Stanford School of Business. And it really enjoyed working with Gus through that program, got to know him. And I've had him speak a couple times at Small Business Matters events on the topic of recruiting. So en enough said there. Gus, welcome to the program. The first question that we ask of each of our guests is, what is it that you do that matters most to small business? Well, you know, uh, they say people are your greatest assets, and we help companies find talent quickly. In this current economy, for example, there's so many companies that are coming out of the pandemic, and they're hiring like crazy, and there's a talent shortage, especially since a lot of people are still at home with these unemployment perks from the government. So. There's a shortage of qualified, talented people in the marketplace. And there's, uh, how can I say this? It's, it's like when a company finds the ideal candidate, they make offers quickly. So a lot of companies are missing out because they're moving too slowly. You, you have to be ready to move quickly when you find that, that candidate. And then the other thing is, you know, a lot of people will... Just wait and wait for the ideal candidate. And, you know, if this person has, you know, 80% of what you're looking for, you know, you may want to go ahead and pull the trigger and uh, teach them what they don't know. We help people, our companies, uh, with a lot of different levels of positions from transactional accounting, AP, AR, payroll, bookkeeping, all the way to staff, senior, all the way up to CFO and tax and audit, public accounting. And we also assist law firms with paralegals, legal assistants, attorneys, and um, we also 
place marketing professionals. You know, there's a lot of need for digital media, social media uh, specialists and marketing managers and digital marketing managers. And that's increasing as, and then we also assist with the, you know, administrative type roles. There's construction is really hot right now. Project accountants, project coordinators, system project managers, especially for uh, uh, design build construction, as well as, you know, a lot of the uh, bigger construction uh, apartment complexes, that kind of stuff. And we're noticing it's just in Atlanta and throughout the whole Southeast U.S. is just booming. It's it's a great time to be looking for a job, a great time to be coming out of college to, to find your first job. And the salaries that these candidates are getting are amazing. And employers, I must say, employers are doing a great job to keep and retain their people, especially the public accounting firms. They're, it's It's hard to find talent like that because the employers are allowing them to work remotely and they're giving them generous vacation packages and compensation packages. So uh, I must say employers are doing a really good job of keeping their talent as well. So guys, before the uh, podcast started, we were talking, I guess, off air a bit, telling us a little bit about your background. And it's interesting, Mm -hmm. you're from upstate New York, you started in accounting and then recruiting and then uh, back to accounting. And now you're in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm curious if you could just share a little bit about your story with our listeners. Yeah. So I grew up in upstate New York. And when I graduated from Lemoyne back in 1992, there weren't very many jobs for an accounting degree, uh, accounting major. And I'm from a very small town in upstate New York called Glens Falls, New York, Queensbury, New York. So I got the jobs rated almanac and places rated almanac. And I did a bunch of research and uh, my college roommates are a handful more moving down as well. So we looked at Charlotte, Denver, and Atlanta, and we watched the Braves go from worst to first back in 91. And we just decided, let's go to Atlanta. And the Olympics were coming. The Super Bowl was coming. So we moved down to Atlanta. I didn't have a job when I got here. I sold the newspaper door to door at night. And I did accounts payable during the day because once I rented my apartment uh, I rented, I put two months down. I only had like $1,300 left to my name. And I'm like, man, I got to get to work because I don't want to move back home because there's no jobs up in upstate New York. And so I was going to Kinko's every night. I bought that book, Atlanta Jobs, written by Steve Hines way back then. And it really helped me get a job. And you know, I was just printing resumes, getting the Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution going through the classified section and just faxing resumes constantly until I finally got my first job with Lanier as an auditor. And then eventually I got my next job and became a Medicare reimbursement specialist. And my boss brought me over to Ernst & Young with him a long time ago. And that's how I got into the big four. I had a nice technical skill set that was in demand. And sure enough, uh, my college roommate called me up and said, hey, you know, you might want to check out this recruiting uh, opportunity. And he was with a large national recruiting firm. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to stay here at Ernst & Young. And, you know, I'm just going to become a partner and work my way up, up the ranks. And then he just told me about all the success he was having. And I said, okay, get me an interview. And when I went in and uh, I applied for the job, the guy that the guy was interviewing me, who's the area manager, he didn't want to hire me. He's like, we like you big four people, but you're real kind of a pain to deal with. And why should I hire you? And I basically, I knew how well my college roommate was doing. And I said, hey, you don't need to hire me. 
I'm going to give you two options. And because I'm like, hey, burn the boats. You got nothing to lose. And I said, option number one is you hire me. I come in on a daily basis and I bust my ass to do everything I can to drive revenue for your organization. Option two, if you don't hire me, I'm going to go to one of your competitors and I'm going to make it my life's mission to come in on a daily basis to take as much money and revenue away from your organization as humanly possible. And he said, good answer. And I got the job. Hmm. And within three months, you know, out of 2,500 people, I was like in the top 10 in the world. Hmm. And what happened was I was used to working in the big four. I'm used to getting in early and burning the midnight oil and just working. When I got there, they had no computers. This is right when um, we were just starting to get computers on everyone's desks. So like now I'm dating myself. But when I got there, uh, you weren't allowed to bring anything home. I get 15 cent nuts and I would bill 15,000 a week. So I was billing $60,000 a month and I had no experience in the business. But I organized all my candidates on an Excel spreadsheet and I kept them very organized. And I went over to account temps and I gave them all my inventory. You know, you, the go giver, like the book, the go giver, you, you mm-hmm. give. And so I helped as many people as I could. And I was faxing my inventory of candidates around the city to all their five offices, just helping as many people as possible. And the law of reciprocity, due to that, uh, I was getting referrals for clients. And um, next thing you know, I started having a lot of success. Hmm. That's great. What a great story. Gus, I want to talk about the labor market today. And you alluded to this. It seems like we're at a place now that I'm not sure we've ever been in, in terms of the dynamics of the labor market, coming out of a, a pandemic, coming out of a recession, Companies, lots of cash on their balance sheet, and yet everyone seems to be shorthanded. Yeah. What else do you see? What's unique about the situation today? How else would you describe the labor market today? There's a war for talent. There's a war for talent, and uh, a lot of people are unemployment, right? So, for example, I had lunch with a gentleman that owns a moving company the other day. He said he needs 40 movers. He can't even staff the business he's getting. And uh, I hear that all the time. So you you just have to be creative in how you go and try to attract talent. And so for me, I have a lot of LinkedIn groups. I've created all these groups. I've got over 50,000 members in my groups. And I make a lot of these video job alerts. And it's just my, I use my iPhone and I'll just, uh, you know, just record, hey, we're looking for a staff accountant over here and try to find the passive candidates. But right now, you have to be very aggressive with marketing your jobs, your job opportunities. You know, if you think you're going to sit there and uh, just run a couple ads and think you're going to find the candidate that you're looking for, uh, you're sadly mistaken. Right now, between all the jobs we have running online, we've got about 800 job postings. So I'm attracting 10 to 20 plus thousand candidates a month. And the number of people, that we have to screen to find the good candidates. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Thank God we've got it, it's automated and the resumes going and we've got pre-built filters, plus I'm eyeballing a lot of resumes. But when you find that perfect candidate, say you do have luck, you go out and you maybe you post a job on Indeed or LinkedIn or Zip Recruiter or Career Builder or Craigslist or any other job board, and you find that ideal candidate, you've got to be better 
faster and quicker than your competition to screen that candidate, talk to them, have a Zoom interview, or get them in the go to lunch, get them in to meet the appropriate people and make the offer. You could also complement that with uh, doing some uh, predictive index or culture index uh, personality screening. I highly recommend that. And because uh, then you can see how the person's really wired and then uh, get the references done, have the candidate provide references, get those checked and make an offer and move on the candidate. Because if you snooze, you lose in this market. And there are a lot of consultants, you know, I'm in Vistage and we got a lot of guys that come in. They're like, oh, you got to interview a certain amount of people and do all this. And I'm like, we're working with a Vistage companies and helping them recruit. And they're, they're just missing candidates because they're going through the old processes and times have changed. And we're in a war for talent. You've got to adjust. If you really want to get that candidate, you've got to move fast. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. That's a whole new, new world. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gus, you mentioned the use of, of LinkedIn. I'm, I'm curious how technology has changed the, the landscape over the past five years or so. Well, it's constantly evolving. When I first started recruiting, there was headhunter.net, and that became CareerBuilder. And I used CareerBuilder for a long time, but then I wasn't finding the candidates I really needed. Um, I would find, say, the transactional accounting types there. But if I, you know, if I was going to, you know, go out and try to find a uh, big four tax or audit professional, I'd have a better chance of winning Powerball than finding them on uh, like a career builder. So the LinkedIn is really good for the, um, you know, the tax and audit and the people, the higher end of the range, I would say. It all depends on on the position and the role. But uh, LinkedIn is a, a gold mine, as you know, and the little hidden gem of LinkedIn are the LinkedIn groups. You know, when you join a group, you can email someone in that group for free. You know, if you go to buy an email, it's like eight to ten dollars. It depends on how much you buy and whatnot. But if you and I are not connected, you know, as a first degree connection, but we're in the same group, then we can communicate freely. And LinkedIn allows you, I think they allow you to join a hundred groups now. So that's just low-hanging fruit if you're in the war for talent. Plus, you can create groups. You can create your own group. And LinkedIn allows you to do a broadcast email on a weekly basis to your group, which basically turns the LinkedIn group into a CRM. And it's 100% deliverability. Gus, you mentioned, I want to clarify, you, uh, you talked about passive candidates Help our audience understand the difference. What is a passive candidate as compared to uh, whatever? An active candidate. Sure. Right. So an active candidate is someone who has posted their job online and they're actively looking for a new opportunity. Maybe they just moved to town. Maybe their company got acquired or maybe they're just coming back into the workforce. Right. So that's an active candidate. But a passive candidate is someone who's gainfully employed. They're not even thinking about looking. Maybe they are, but they're like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll get to it next month or it's on their radar. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And you just reach out to them and say, hey, Tim, I was looking on LinkedIn and your background is in line with our current top performers. I'd like to have a conversation if you're open to it to tell you more about what we're doing over here and mm-hmm. and uh, see if that might pique your interest. And do you find that companies are 
underutilizing that market today, overutilizing it? Uh, how familiar are most companies with that passive market? Well, I think a lot of people are doing it. Um, you know, the effectiveness of the LinkedIn email is decreasing because mm-hmm. there is so the candidates are getting. I mean, they're getting constantly recruited. The the passive jobs, everyone is getting recruited. I even get recruited, right? <laughs> uh, I'm constantly getting emails, and my people get emails too. And you just have to expect that. It's it's a great time to be looking for a job. And uh, there's everything is changing so quickly. And you notice that a lot of people coming out of the pandemic, I, I think I saw an article in the Business Chronicle, in a Business Chronicle yesterday, the people at Facebook, I think, were willing to take a $30,000 pay cut if they could not return to the office, mm-hmm. right? And so if you are a company that might be able to give someone the ability to work from home, maybe just two or three days a week or Monday and Friday and in the office three days a week, you know, you'll be, you might be able to attract that talent plus uh, finding, helping them find a job closer to where they live. So if you can just find that candidate in close proximity to your office, maybe they're doing the, the, the 400, the 285 shuffle. I mean, you just said you were coming back from a lunch just now and the traffic was terrible. Horrendous. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't see. It's, I don't think it's going to get any better. So, Gus, on that on that note, you know, I think compensation, at least for me, always is like a, a pie, where salary is certainly a big piece of it. But then there's benefits and working from home and proximity to work. I'm curious, what slice of that pie, maybe even salary aside, is is rising to the top these days, especially coming out of COVID, where the way we interact at work has changed so much. I think it's freedom. I think people want to work from home. People love working. I mean, I work remotely and uh, it's nice. You know, I used to have an office building 35 miles away from my house. And by just selling that building and working from home, that has given me back 500 hours a year in commute time. And people after COVID, I mean, they want to work from home. Most people do. A, A lot of people like that hybrid ability to work from home and then also go into an office to get away and it's just flexibility and freedom. And then with the emerging technologies, learning a lot of new emerging technologies along the way, companies investing in their, in their employees, you know, Vistage has the emerging emerging leaders program that, uh, you know, if you're working for a company and the company's investing in you and helping you achieve your goals, uh, it just checks a box for a job for a candidate, a job seeker, or an employee. Gus, I want to switch gears. Um, you are the, you're the CEO of your company, of your enterprise. Many CEOs struggle with what is their role as the CEO? What are they responsible for? Where should they be spending their time? How would you describe your role? What is your job as the CEO of your company? You know, Right now, I really need to hire more recruiters. Uh, just like everybody else is hiring, I need to hire more because we have I've developed a system, a process, a repeatable process that's scalable. And I just need to keep adding qualified people to our team. And once I find people, it's training, mentoring, developing the people. I have a what I call a buddy program. When I was at Ernst & Young, 
we had a lot of turnover and we created what we called the staff advisory committee. And what it was, was I was the liaison between the upper management and the, the new people joining our team. So if there were any issues, they would come to me and I could be a liaison to go back to management. And basically we reduced turnover a lot and increased employee satisfaction. So when I get a, a new team member, I pair them with a buddy that's going to answer a lot of their questions, show them and show them our technology and our system and, and help niche them because everybody should, in what I do, everybody, the riches are in the niches. So you should focus on, you know, three to five core niches and you should own that niche. You should recruit and sell in that niche. And that person, their mentor will help them. And then I incentivize the mentor to, to do that. But right now, just uh, I'm really focused on hiring and growing. I think that it's a great, you know, it's a great opportunity and our system really works. Plus we add video. Uh, you know that I love technology yeah. and I've been building a software platform for years and we've got almost 9 million candidates in the software platform. And we've been enabling job seekers by helping them create video resumes. And so we're marketing candidates with video, which replaces the first interview. And that's really going well. In fact, I did a pilot program with the Fulton County school system this spring, and I helped a lot of uh, kids get internships in a pandemic. And it's really hard for uh, high school kids to get internships because there's so many college students looking for interns. But we used the, uh, the video to basically help the kids tell their story in a fashion that was anonymous. So it protected the, the student as well at the same time as it uh, enabled the student to get in front of CEOs. It was in our tech alpharetta community because I'm in their tech alpharetta incubator and uh, they want to do it again next year. Mm. So just adding technology and being different and making it easier for employers to screen candidates. Uh, I, I keep looking for ways to do that. Gus, you mentioned uh, previously testing. Um, talk a little bit about what testing of candidates you recommend and perhaps any that you wouldn't recommend. So we use uh, Connexa Prove-It testing, and it's built into our, our uh, applicant tracking system. So we can test on almost like 2,000 different things. But if you know, you're going to hire a bookkeeper, you can test on general accounting, QuickBooks, bookkeeping, as well as Excel, right? Those are some nice core tests you could use if you're hiring a legal secretary, you know, word typing, spelling, and grammar. If you're looking to uh, do a personality profile, there's, you know, there's the disk profile, the predictive index. Uh, I read a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. It's one of my top 10 favorite books, but they recommend the self-management testing. I think it's selfmgmt.com. And they have, a, it's called a POP7, which is very accurate. It's, it's really good. And then there's also, also the culture index that a lot of the Vistage members use. And uh, that's another good one as well. But you're, you're seeing more and more companies do the, uh, the, the profiling, the personality profiling. You've been a Vistage member for a number of years, peer group yeah. experience. Talk about that. What, what have you found to be advantageous to being in a, a peer group like a Vistage group? You know, you really can't do it yourself anymore, right? There's so many things changing and it's uh, changing so quickly. 
having a peer group, like when you're the CEO of a company, you know, it's a lonely place. You don't have a lot of people to talk to, right? And uh, a lot of people in my group, you know, I've been in Vistage for almost five years now. You see the same challenges for business owners constantly. And uh, as our group has turned over, as the new members have come in, you see the same challenges again. And uh, so it, it helps you make better decisions quicker and faster. Plus, we have great speakers that come in and talk about a lot of different things. I love the speakers we have. And uh, my Vistage chair is Sean Bradley, and he has three groups and with, I think, over 40 CEOs, and he combines the groups. And it's great networking as well. And I've made a lot of great friends there. And we've gone golfing and we've gone quail hunting and done a lot of different cool things. And, uh, you know, on a professional and personal level, it's just a real good sounding board. And uh, the Vistage website is full of valuable content as well, although I don't really use it as much as I should. But it's a great escape. It's a, a commitment of a day a month where you go and it's, you spend eight hours networking and they say that most of the value in the Vistage meetings comes from talking in the halls and, and at your tables and uh, as well as issue processing. So uh, very, very valuable. It's, I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. And I'm so glad I did it. Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business so, Gus, we're now at my favorite part of the podcast. It's the rapid-fire questions. Taylor has compiled a list of short answer questions. You're going to give him short, uh, short answers. He's going to try to stump you. My money is on you. Taylor? All right. Thanks for that introduction. Uh, we'll start with uh, an easy one. Uh, what is the worst interview question you could ask a candidate? What's the worst interview question? Yep, that, that yields the, maybe the least results. Um, God, I don't know. I don't know. That's not a good answer, but I don't know. I can tell you the best question. I was at my next question. What, what is the best question? Uh, if you're a job seeker, uh, you would ask, what are the qualities? What are top qualities you're looking for in your next top performer? And then the employer will give you the answers to the test. But, uh, you know, if I'm an employer, like, you know, then you could draw parallels between your experience and what they're looking for. But, you know, what have you done in the past to be successful? You know, mm -hmm. were they a part of a sports team? Did they have to get up early? Did they have to, you know, make sacrifices? And really, you know, what have you done to go and achieve something, your goal that you had to really work hard for? What is your, uh, you mentioned before the podcast that you uh, just went on a golf trip. What is your favorite golf course? You know, uh, I'm a member of Hawks Ridge here in uh, Ballground, and I just love that golf course. It's, it's a great golf course. I was up in the Ozarks. I just played Tiger Woods' new course, uh, Payne's Valley. And uh, there's three courses up there at, uh, it was Big Cedar Lodge, and they were all amazing. But the par three course, up at the top of the rock was the most, the nicest par three I've ever played in my life. It was, it's something special. You should check it out. Check it out. On a list. And yeah, it's a great trip. You do it in uh, early June and the weather was fantastic. And, um, there was 12 of us. We, we went up there, we had a blast and then yeah. love Pebble beach. 
That's where I got my uh, first hole in one, hole number five on Pebble wow. Beach. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the only hole in one I've ever gotten. What is uh, maybe an, an uncommon red flag when, when interviewing candidates? Well, you know, when you look at a resume, right, and this person, they have a lot of jobs. I mean, they're just like a habitual, you know, they get the itch. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at resumes, you can see that typically a person might leave their job every two years. If you see that and you'll notice it'll go. If you start from the top, first thing I do is I look at the education and then I go for, at the top, see where they're currently working, how long they've been there. And then I go down and I look at their consistency and how long they've been at each job. And if they're just leaving every two years, you know that when they join your company, they're out of there in two years. Two year window, right? Yeah. So I like stability in my client and you want to look for a path of progression where they are increasing the responsibility. And a lot of my clients like to hire people who are being, they're going to be stretched in their next role. They keep reaching for that brass ring Mm -hmm. and they are going to be stretched. You know, they're going to come in work hard. You're going to give them a nice incentive program that, uh, and that's the other thing. If you hire somebody you say, Hey, let's, let's do a 90 day review. Let's create some milestones. Okay. So I'm going to give you some things to work towards. And at the end of 90 days, let's see how you did. And then maybe we can bump your salary up, right? Excellent. Just give them something to work towards. And, you know, if they know that you're going to treat them right, and it both, it's kind of like the newlywed period, period right? They're, they really don't know you that well, and you don't know them. And you can see how well they come in and perform, and then you reward them. And, and you, if you reward them really well, they're going to they're gonna stay long-term, and they're going to work hard. And then create another set of milestones. Just create, you know, I, I think uh, we talk about the EOS traction system a lot in Vistage, right? You have these rocks and, you know, you create these rocks that you, you're, you're working towards. And um, it's a great relationship where you're rewarding them for their hard work. A lot of good things are going to happen. And people won't leave you as long as they're being rewarded and challenged and, and they keep progressing up and they're learning and challenged. All right, last rapid fire question. We'll get you out of here on this. It's a it's now a staple of the podcast, apparently. But what actor plays Gus in the movie about your life? <laughs> oh God, I have no idea. Isn't there a movie called like The Accountant with Ben Affleck? That sounds perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there there you a go. Reader movie too. Yeah, you could use Ben Affleck. You could use Ben Affleck. <laughs> Hard to go wrong with Ben Affleck. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, but hey, uh, Gus, I know uh, that uh, a, n- a number of our listeners are going to want to reach out to you after today's podcast. What's the easiest way for them to contact you? Uh, they can call my number at 404-250-0790. That's my uh, corporate phone. Or they could email me at Gus at staffffinancial.com. Three Fs, Gus at staffffinancial.com. Mm-hmm. that'd be great fantastic and Taylor like usual I've got a full page of notes uh, that I've taken from our time with Gus today he really hit on the importance of speed and we know that you know for as a differentiator for small business velocity is important but as it speaks to the hiring process you know 
being as fast as possible, being careful and yet being as fast as possible. He also described for us the, the war for talent that so many small businesses are finding themselves in today. And I really like, he noted the idea that you know, we've got to be looking for new tactics. If businesses are still using the same tactics for hiring that they were using five years ago, they can't expect to see the same uh, results uh, today. He also mentioned the use of LinkedIn groups. And I thought as a tactic, a hiring tactic, I thought that was really good. And I hope our listeners will take them up on that uh, idea. You asked him the question about what is it that uh, uh, candidates are looking for now? And his response was autonomy, freedom, independence. And I think that's overlooked by many small businesses today in their hiring. How about for you? What particular takeaways did you have today? I think just the, the general theme of, of being aggressive in your hiring. I think so many uh, companies are still in the mindset of, of hiring slow and finding the perfect fit. And uh, given the, the shifting landscape, I, I think they're, the war on talent, which, which he said a number of times, uh, makes that an unsuccessful uh, strategy in terms of recruitment. You know, I'd like to add something. You sure. know, you've always heard hire slowly and fire quickly, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that employers can do if they can find the candidates is if you get a slate of candidates, because employers usually interview five people before they make a hiring decision. But if you could bring them in all in one day, you know, and interview the candidates back to back to back, right? Maybe even for a 30 to 45 minute window. But if you carve half of your day, you could make an educated decision in a timely manner, and then you can bring them back. You can bring the candidates back the ones that you shortlist for another interview, maybe a panel interview or a one-on-one or a more extensive interview. But that's a way to kind of canvas the marketplace, make an educated decision in a timely manner and not lose the, you know, in this war of talent that we have. Yeah, that's a great idea. So Gus, thank you again for being with us today. Lots of nuggets for our listeners. And I hope that you will come back and visit us again. I I feel like we just scratched the surface today uh, on our time. So, uh, Taylor, as always, our time went really fast. Uh, Small Business Matters, we've got a number of things. Our newsletter, for any of our listeners who are not yet a subscriber to our newsletter, you can subscribe to the Small Business Matters uh, newsletter on our website, smallbusinessmattersonline.com. I want to encourage our listeners today to rate review and subscribe to the Small Business Matters uh, podcast. Uh, We've got our next boot camp. Small Business Matters boot camp kicks off on August 26th. And so if you or a colleague might be interested in participating in the boot camp, please feel free to reach out uh, to me. Uh, Taylor, what else? What have I left out? Uh, Well, you're going to be going on a sabbatical in like three days. So you'll be (laughs) out out of the country. I am. I'm going, Taylor, this is my 10th year that I'm doing a sabbatical, one month sabbatical, and I'm returning to the El Camino Santiago. This time I'm starting off in Lisbon and we're walking my way up to Santiago Compostelo. So I'm, I'm really excited about that and looking forward to my travel. Listeners, thank you for listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.